0: So with no further ado we are really excited and I have to say brilliant that we've got uh, our first diving star of the world should we say. Say, <laughs> uh, done many dives and deep stuff
1: TV celebrity.
0: Yeah TV celebrity and jumps out of planes and all sorts so uh, with no further ado let's welcome Andy to the show. Andy you're right hello
2: hi yeah it's all good Have a good day yeah 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 all all sticking along you know it's uh, beautiful weather outside can't really do much but um it's what it is in the afternoon i usually run like a forest school because i'm home school at the moment so bex does the morning and i'll usually work in the morning, and then i'll quickly train and then take the kids out and do you know shelter building and fire building and wildlife stuff and bits and pieces so it nice different yeah, yeah that's fun, fun. I'm in the, Va- the Forest of Dean in the Y Valley oh right nice one yeah it's a shame we couldn't meet in person it is what it is and this is the circumstances we've got but if you're sat in the same room as the personal people it's just so much I think well certainly easier because it's just you know you're just chatting rather than chatting to a screen bit you know
0: okay so um, when did you last dive before the virus um, coronavirus all hit
2: um the last dive i did was a free dive a couple of days there in cornwall with some friends of mine who run aqua city free divers uh, georgie miller and, and dan fearhoven i was just looking at doing some advanced free diving stuff and just before that that was about a month or so before it hit and then a few weeks before that i was out in france doing sort of some wrecks for for, an, for some exploration cave diving exploration with uh, chris joe and rich stevenson um yeah down in the sort of Hero area of France, near Marseille. There's still quite a lot of, you know, underwater cave systems there that haven't been explored properly. So, but these days to to get new passageways, new places to explore, you're having to go further and further and further. So one of the things we looked at, to start the new part, you were doing um, a four kilometer scooter, most of which was between 60 and 100 meters. that's in so then you, you then start exploring from there and then after you've got to come back to that point and then do four kilometers to get back out so you've got a minimum of eight kilometers of scootering between 60 and 100 meters deep um so it's, it's getting quite quite serious now to find new places but uh, yeah
0: so really when it comes to um fitness for anyone to do that sort of level you've got to be really on your a game for that to to be able to make that doable uh, dive really isn't it
2: yeah i think i mean physical fitness wise yes because it's at the bottom of a massive gorge you've got to hump all the kit down and back up i mean it was a it was a day to get all the kit in and day to get all the kit back out because we had you know three rebreathers four scooters um, got about twenty cylinders, a habitat, um, obviously our, our suits, mast fins, knuckles, helmets, torches, cameras, blah, 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 blah. Um, so there's a lot of you know, a huge weight of equipment to to, to manhandle down the side of a gorge and then back out again. Um so there's that and then and the dive itself, you've to be dive fit, you have to be on the ball, you have to make sure that you know you're happy with your systems and and, uh, and even things like scootering, scootering for a few hundred meters is not the same as scooting for four kilometers. So you've got to make sure you've got to have done your timing, your scooter, make sure it's set up perfectly for you so it's comfortable to use. Um, you know, and and, and, and the cold, it was, it was 11 or 12 degrees Celsius, the water, which isn't too cold. But again, if you're exposed to that for six, seven, eight hours, it starts getting, getting, getting pretty serious. You've got to have your insulation and, and all that sort of systems you know working well dry gloves double hoods all that sort of stuff and the habitat which will save you because then you've only got to make it back to six meters not to the surface to be able to get out your kit get out the water and warm up a bit and eat some food and drink some drink some fluids
0: right so you've basically taking double double virtually double kit with
2: you really to to do those sort of things yeah i mean you've, redundancy is a big part of it yeah. part. you know you, you should be able to have a complete systems failure at the worst possible point which in this case would be four kilometers from the from the entrance or exit um, and still make it back so you've got three divers but you can move two two push divers um, who work as a a pair they'll rebreather each and then in our case we had um, now ideally you'd have then another spare side mount rebreather each but in this case because we didn't have enough we carried bottles so but we had enough bailout between us to support one diver because yeah. you know, the chance of both three breathers failing are pretty slim, you know, and you, you can't physically carry enough gas each. So is
0: just two of you or when you're doing those sort of type yeah. caves?
2: Yeah. Well, it depends on the, on the cave. Sometimes only one, you know, sometimes it depends on the, on the sort of the nature of the cave system and the depth and distance and all that sort of stuff. Um, but then we'd three scooters because we looked at it and said, right, we can carry enough gas to get one person out, assuming the scooter doesn't fail as well. So you carry a third scooter. So we had enough kit to deal with one rebreather and one scooter failing, basically. Um, but if, if anything else had failed, that would have been game over. So, yeah, yeah. you know, because you always want to build in these layers of redundancy to make sure so as safe as possible, have a bl- have a plan B, C, D, E, and F in your pocket. But but there is gets, gets to a point when you physically can't carry yeah. enough kit and it becomes, you know, almost more cumbersome and more dangerous to make it safer. Um, you know, the example of something that's used is, you know, do you carry a spare mask and a lot of people say yes some people say no but and the reason is if you if you know if your mask gets ripped off or breaks you've got a spare mask yeah. say, well, what happens if that mask breaks should you carry a third mask and if that mask breaks should you carry a fourth mask and a fifth and I say, before you know it you've got two hundred no, masks in your back pocket no. so there has to be a line you go okay that's that's an acceptable level of risk you know i might carry a spare mask but i'm never going to carry two spare masks
0: no no worst case scenario is you know you've got no mask but at least you can still breathe that's the main thing, isn't it?
2: Exactly, and, and that's what I always, again, i often when given t- corporate talks on risk and that sort of stuff. I use diving, cave diving is a really good example of these sort of things and, and how we make them safe because it's not about doing dangerous things but doing taking things that would be dangerous if you did them badly and doing them right so that, that you know, they, they are safe. Um, so
0: on, on average, just on, hmm. on an average dive like that, you'd have your rebreather on. Your mm-hmm. usual redundancy kit. How many tanks? And because we we're talking side mount tanks.
2: Obviously. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So how many tanks would you have on you as just you to, to do that dive? Depends Dep-
2: Dep- Dep- on the I say the nature of the dive, but potentially four side mounts. But we might drop them as we go. You know, because the great yeah. thing about it, if you're down a deep wreck, there's a chance you go down the shot line. You might be swept off the wreck and have to you know come up on your own somewhere else. But in a cave, you're going to go in one way and, and back out the, the same way. You know, you're laying in line, you're falling the line back out. So you can drop, you can clip bottles off the line, knowing yeah. that you're definitely going to come back past them. So um, you might get in with four bottles. We've even got in with six bottles and, and dropped the, the, the first pure oxygen at six metres and then a 50% of nitrox at 25 metres. And then um, gone in, you know, and the, the first kilometre, we've got four bottles of Trimix we drop one at at the first kilometer in the next one at the next kilometer in and then keep two on us for the last bit and then you know and then pick those bottles up as we we come back out um but it's very much it depends on the team as well you know sometimes we do as a three-man team we might only carry enough gas to get one of us out because again we think well what the chance of of, we've got three rebuilders, one might fail what the chance of two of them failing pretty negligible so we um you know we might only carry two bottles each between three of us um so yeah I, I get it and that, and that depends on the depth because obviously if you are to open circuit the deeper you yeah. are the faster that that open circuit gas is gonna is gonna diminish which is why now we're looking at um using side mount rebreathers as a bailout option because really? then you know you can cut you basically dive with two rebreathers because then if one fails you go into your side mount yeah. and then you've got you know, all the time in the world. And that's that's why I do like rebreathers. There's a lot of benefits to them. Um, obviously the, the length of time you can go underwater and the depth and the sort of the, the physiological impact of the gas you're breathing, but mainly you're not in a rush. And yeah. most things underwater can be sorted if you've got enough time. Um and that's the problem with, with um open circuit. And you know, don't be wrong, rebreathers have got some serious drawbacks as well, where open circuit is a better option. But with rebreathers, you've just got more more time and what you tend to find is a lot of rebreather divers who dive rebreathers 99% of the time when you put them on open circuit they almost they, you know they get they can run out gas because they just not pay attention to the, to the gas because if you've got a six hour scrubber life you suddenly don't really have to care that much about checking your gauges all the time
0: yeah so just a very quick question on that um do you if there's two of you or three of you say going underneath going doing the cave like that uh, would you have a normal mask or would you have a full face mask
2: so you can talk to each other no we just go with normal half masks the, the full face masks are good for I pres- use them on Rebealers for presenting uh, because yeah. it, you can chat but um, they, 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 they're not that comfortable to wear they hugely close down your peripheral vision um, you know and, and, and actually more and more so um, looking down they kind of cover up when I've got one on, I can't see much above my knees. So yeah. you've got in my touch, you know, try to find stuff on your belt or your waist or your D rings can be a real, real pain. Um, you know, especially if you've got three pairs of woolly gloves on and a rubber dry gloves, suddenly you, it becomes difficult. Um. So. So yeah. The the um and the other thing is that they slightly extend the length of the mouthpiece, so you are sort of your CO2 problems. We have tested them and they've been safe enough, but you are adding an extra length to the to the loops. You are increasing your chances of, of CO2 issues, which is a big problem with rebreathers. Um, but mainly, they're just a pain in the ass to use, to be honest. Yeah. So we don't don't use them unless we absolutely have to.
0: That's fair enough. There's always a trade-off with these things, isn't there? Yeah. You know, what you win on one thing, you lose on another. So no, it's fine. Thanks for answering that. While we're in this whole lockdown situation, I, I have you got any sort of diving-related sort of activities or sort of planned? Are you sort of like reading up on anything, or um, yeah, well, sorting yeah. gear out, stuff like that?
2: Yeah, well, we will do a bit of maintenance on my kit, which is seriously needed. Um, I'm. We're still. We've got a couple of expeditions. Do some games some cave diving stuff and a free diving film that I'm trying to make. So I'm kind of just doing a bit more research on that and storyboarding the film and that sort of stuff. And then I'm doing fortnightly talks on the Sunto Diving UK Facebook page. um So and on my own Instagram channel on usually on diving stuff. So two weeks ago I did a and A about diving tomorrow night i'm doing a thing about operation iceberg which is a bbc series but we did a lot of diving around icebergs and in glacial lakes and ice caves yeah. and then a couple of weeks time i think i'm going to do the sort of underwater bits of beyond bionic that, that cbc series i made and then the two weeks after that if we're still in lockdown um i might do a, a sort of free diving snorkeling one um and then after that i might do a technical one so yeah i've done a lot of talking and a lot of reading but not much doing <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah.
1: try and be productive yeah <laughs> so what would you say to anybody thinking about giving scuba diving a go
2: don't do it it's rubbish um <laughs>
1: no,
2: uh, i mean what well, oh scuba diving or anything else i'd say yeah give it give it a go i mean it's it's one of those things that when people say, oh, I'd like, especially divers, go. I'm going to try and get my wife, or my husband, or my son, and my daughter into it. I'm sort of tempted to say, look, train them in the UK because it's the best place to train in the world. Because it's probably the hardest place to dive in the world. You know, what I mean, if you if you do if you train in the UK, you can dive anywhere. Yeah. You know, we've got relatively cold water, a lot of tides, bad weather, not great visibility. You know, you've got a lot of kit, big dry suits, big undersuits, a lot of weight. But by the same token if you want to kind of entice them in, then maybe it's not the first place you want to show them diving. Maybe <laughs> get to Malta or Cyprus and go, that's how good it can get. Because I think, I mean, the people who start in the UK, uh, I mean, I started as a kid, so it was different, but they first dive in like, you know, in like a Stony Cove or, or off Chesil Beach and they love it. I'm like, that is amazing. I'm, I'm really impressed because, you know, if you love that, just wait to get the Cenotes of Mexico or, you know, or off the Maldives. So I'm always tempted to say like, Take them somewhere nice and warm and clear with some cool animals, um, or even, or actually, you know, as I did, take them snorkeling. first, because not, snorke- you know, if you if you love snorking, love diving, you know. Yeah. Um yeah. So nice, It's a nice, it's a, cheap introduction. So they don't like you haven't spent a lot of money on kit, um, and actually in the UK there's some really good snorkeling places. I mean, uh, you know, one of the best things you can do in the UK is basking sharks or grey seals, you know, in, in the water with them, and that's all snorkeling. If you go to the farms, and I've done it loads of times for, for TV and, and other things, you jump in the water off the farms, the gray seals are all around you. You just yeah, only use a yeah. mask and snorkel. Um, and that's a great way to kind of inspire people to carry on because you show them how good it can get straight away. We've got trying, three or four massive animals just literally going between your legs, you know, under your arms. Um, whereas if you take them to a big muddy puddle in freezing cold <laughs> hail and go, right, this is diving. They're like, this is rubbish. Uh yeah. 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 yeah it's true yeah i must have
0: fact,
1: said, do it here yeah. haven't you to yeah. to learn and we run a
0: um, we run a rescue course uh with the norwich dive center in a, a lake and um the visibility is near on non-existent really it's like diving in a stewed cup of tea really is what it's like and we do the rescue course there because it's, it's a good place to you know to learn how to find a, a missing diver and a, an unconscious diver and those sort of things and um it, it works well works well for that sort of thing yeah we've done
2: i'm part of a sort of cave diving it's a rescue working group and um we've we used to, one of the pools at wookie Hall sometimes to do some some testing a kit and that and we've gone in there and gone, gone up and gone my like, God, oh, you know, visibility is great today. Nightmare, right? We've got to go again, go in and kick up the visibility to try and make it a bit more realistic, to try and make it a bit harder because the reality is, if you're if you're doing a rescue from a cave, you're probably going to be in no visibility. So, um, you, you know, uh, you, you see all these videos of people doing sort of teaching drills out in like Thailand or, or you know or Mexico, and they're there in their two mil wetsuit with no hood, and no gloves, doing all these perfect perfect trim, perfect buoyancy, and, and del- putting delayed SMBs up. And I'm thinking. All right, mate let, let me let's see you do that in rubbish viz with <laughs> three pairs of gloves on a dry suit twin set you know in a massive swell you know yeah. six meters all that kit on you know in the middle of the english channel in, in the middle of february then i'll be impressed um, yeah but see if you can if you, if you can dive in the uk you can dive anywhere yeah
1: yeah. Is there anything you would have done differently on your whole journey? I don't know,
2: because even the stuff that was unpleasant or bad, because I survived it all, it was all lessons well learned, you know, like, because I started my diving career, the first, from 12 to 21, I didn't own a dry suit, you know, and uh, my first dry suit was an army issue one, which leaked anyway, so... um you know, I was just diving a wetsuit, so a dry suit was luxury, even though it leaked all the time. So the first time I ever got into a, a non-leaking dry suit, I was like, my God, this is amazing. You know, so um, and the close calls have had, you know, taught me taught me lessons and stuff. And a, a close call can be a really, really useful thing, a good thing mm-hmm. to happen to you, as long as it is a close call and you do get away with it because, um, you know, it, it, it'll teach you much more or, or, the, or the learning curve is much faster when you almost die, then a thousand lessons or books read will have, will have the same impact. Um, I don't know if I would. I mean, I might, I might, I don't know, I might have started my cave diving career a bit earlier when I was still in the forces, but I was quite busy when I was, when I was in, the, in the forces. So not not much, Not I there's not actually much i change to be honest, I think no no was
1: <laughs> no, good um uh, you've obviously mentioned um traveling so have you pretty much covered the whole world with your diving and other activities
2: not even close not even close no. there's a bit, the, the world's quite a big place um and mo- it, most of it's water um there's still a huge amount so whether i've done that you know like i've, I've still you know i still never dived the cenotes in mexico I've still not been cave diving in Mexico, which is a bit of a mecca for for for, for cave divers. Um, the I'd like to dive in Lake Nasa, because there's some pyramids at the bottom of Lake Nasa, um, which was a, a lake, a man-made lake created by the Aswan Dam in Egypt. But there is, and they moved a lot of the stuff. But there's some pyramids that were in the valley that weren't moved. They're flooded. Uh, partly the visibility probably nil because it's behind a dam and reservoirs are always pretty, uh, pretty, pretty nil visibility. Um, you know, I've, there's, there's cave systems I'd, I'd love to dive that no one's ever dived. There's cases in northern India that I've been I've been kind of had on the back burner for years now and just never really got around to doing. Um, I've still not dived with with a, with a whale shark, which again has you know got me up there. I've, I've not been to I've been to the Arctic a few times, but I've never been to Antarctica, so you Antarctica. know that's on the list. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, there's. There's a big, 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 big world of underwater stuff out there, you know. Yeah. And uh, only only a fraction has ever been explored as well. So people say, Oh, which which shipwreck do you wanna do wanna dive? It's like, well, the one that no one knows exists yet. That that would be the cool one. So, yeah, yeah. It'd be
1: amazing if you could just drain the oceans to see what's there and then go yeah. back when it's all full up again. yeah. What's your favourite dive location so far and why?
2: Um I should really say that the National Diving Activity Centre, because that's about half a mile from my house and I go around there all the time. Um, but oh, That's one of my favourite sites as well. Well, it's, it's really hard for testing kit because it's, it's about 80 metres deep. So, myself and Rich Stevenson do a lot of camera tests and light tests and that there and kit testing. Um, and because it's like literally three minutes from my house, um, it's quite handy just to nip I'll, literally, I'll, I'll just nip round for, for a jump in the water for half an hour, come back and go, you know. But, um, ah, I. In the UK, I don't know. I mean, I've done a lot of stuff in Cornwall and Devon, and the west coast of Scotland is is, is pretty awesome. Round round Orkney. Um, globally, we've I mean, done a lot of cave diving in France. A lot of filming in, in the caves in France. We have used the, them a lot. But um, you, you know, oh God, uh, East Africa was really cool. South China Sea was good. For, I mean, for actually, free diving, free diving with with mako sharks off the sort of California and Mexico and border, but 12 actually way off like 25, 30 miles out to sea in the middle of the Pacific. It was pretty good. That was just that was Star Snorkel. Um, probably actually, you know what? There's a there's a there's a dive or some dives we did in, in Japan, and it was less about the dive site and more about the dive team. So I did this thing for my mate Monty Hall's. He did a season for child five years ago called um, Monty Hall's Dive missions I think it was called. Anyway, and I there was so Monty was presenting it, I wasn't presenting it. Monty was presenting it. Um Kev Gar was a dive supervisor, who the, the tech divers will know you Kev's one of like the f- first ever technical diver, rebreather divers in the country, um, you know, decades ago. Um, Dan Stevenson and Rich Stevenson with the cameramen on it, who are really, really good mates of mine. Obviously, Monty is a really, really good friend uh, for years. And then me, and I was doing like sort of safety general just divers to so the supervisor took Carmen as, as presenter and then the sort of the general dive board who just got in the water and helped people and the safety for everybody and filled cylinders and that stuff anyway we're all really 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 good friends before for years before the show started I was basically on holiday and we went all in the world and but in in Japan we're doing these really easy dives like 20-30 meters deep um on this thing it called Yonaguni which is a kind of underwater weird weird underwater geological formation but it's got ripping currents Absolutely phenomenally fast currents. So they, they dropped in the four of us with so me, Monty, Dan, and Steve, uh, be, uh, and Rich. Sorry, Steve's and um, about God, a long way up from this this kind of underwater thing. And so, as soon as we hit the water, we are just like absolutely racing along the seabed. And you could hear people laughing in the water. You could hear people laughing. <laughs> And we got to this big sort of it, it looks man-made it's not it's natural but it looks man-made kind of formation you kind of grab on the, the corners of this sort of block some huge kind of building and you're flapping that like flag in the wind and you're letting go and then just cartwheeling past or, or your mate greets and grabs you as you go past and again we're, always, we're open circuit as well so you know it lasts about five minutes because not only working really really hard but also laughing laughing our heads off and um, you know that was just one of the funniest dives. You know the, the the best fun. So it was that was and that was less about the the, the dive itself or the dive site, and more about the dive team. But that's that's definitely memorable one. Mm. Sounds
1: That sounds great. How about the funniest moment or blip in your diving life and why?
2: Hmm. Um. I, yeah, I don't. I've not had that many like blips because I'm, and it's not. It's not because I'm like. I think pretty special just because that I'm so paranoid I, you know I check my kit and double check it and double double check it. I half turned up to a job once actually, a, a, di- a filming job and forgot my fins um, that, was, that was pretty bad um, Not yeah that wasn't ideal um, and we didn't have any spares so the, the camera had a set of fins and me and all two divers jumping in so he jumped in and I just had to kind of, to kind of always shoot me like half in frame so you can't see my feet, um, so that was pretty bad and I've done a dive I think Every underwater sort of cameraman, filmmaker, photographer has stood at like this. Luckily, I wasn't main camera, um, but I jumped in with a camera and got down to the bottom. And, uh, you know, for some reason, my camera wasn't working. And then I checked, I turned it over and checked, looked through the dome port and saw that the um, the lens cover was still on oh, no. clearly, there's nothing you can't you can't take it apart you can't, can't get to it the only way you can get it to get is go back to the surface you know hand it back to the guy in the boat get out of it get your kit off undo the housing take the camera out blah, blah. <laughs> so it's like that's it that's just that's it the cameras you know so um so yeah, let's left the lens cover. But I so, say yeah, I think almost every cameraman or f- photographer has has a story like that at some point in their career. But yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't tend to make any big mistakes because the diving I do sitting nowadays doesn't really allow for it, or, or certainly doesn't allow for making mistakes that you can't fix. I like something like cave diving or, or, or deep diving is quite binary in that, or something like skydiving or, or rock climbing, you can you can have an accident and you can get a small to a big injury. You know, you can you can. Take a climbing fall and all you do is just scrape your leg or you can break your ankle, you can break your femur, you can break your back, you can be in a coma, you can die, there's this kind of graduation of increasingly more serious kind of incident. With cave diving it's not, there's only three ways it's going to go, it's either going to go well and you're going to get out in one piece, it's going to go badly, you're going to fix it, you're going to get out in one piece or it's going to go badly, you're not going to fix it and you're going to die, like people don't really get injured cave diving, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? it's either it's either you're either finding or not finding there's there's not much in between um so as i say there doesn't it's not really a sport that allows for comic comic mistakes you know what i mean Um, so yeah you you haven't like
1: jumped in with your dry suit undone
2: or anything i was waiting for that actually Ah! actually no no i ha. i did one um i jumped in with a set of shades on in malta once it's a good point because again i I have a shades on and the back of the boat and um you know, we, we were kicked up, ready to go, me and me, and, me, and uh, I was like, yeah, 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 all right. And obviously, I had something across my eyes, and I had glass in the way, and just, you know, through that kind of instinctively, I knew my mask was on, because I could feel the thing, it was just there. And uh, I just told to give him the thumbs up, and just kind of, you know, casually lobbed in sideways. I could see him, like, massively grinning as I went in. I was like, what's wrong with that? Got in, I was like, oh, my mask, my mask come off, masks come off. And then was like, oh, no, that's that's not a mask, is it? Keep came to the surface. And he was just holding my, ma- his, my mask in his hands going, you for this, you know? So, yeah, I did jump in with uh, with a set of shades on rather a mask once. We've all been there. We've all been there.
0: My friends won't let me forget that last year at the start of the dive season, the first dive, and I was, I was with a group of students, and, you know, yeah, it's always a bit of a mad one, the first weekend away, First dive I jumped in and my dry suit was undone. So <laughs> and I got a yeah. for that off my
2: dive centre as well. Never done that. I've got I've had a mate who's done it and he just cracked on. He did it he, like so he was we we're on a dive um and he jumped in with his his zip open. I don't know how far open. It wasn't like, wasn't open all the way, it was just open a bit. But um and he didn't tell anyone until after the dive. We got back in the boat and then he was like you we know, have the forty minute dive in the in the channel and he's like, Yeah 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 he was gibbering, He's was gibbering. he was like it wasn't deep so <clears throat> there was no you know, there know was no day if it had been a deep dive, deco dive would have said, you know, that's dangerous, you can't be doing that mate. But it was it was a shallow little boat dive just round round the yeah. shore in heaven and uh yeah he just grizzed it. It's like, mine was wide open and that oh. poured in. <laughs> poured in. <laughs> yeah. well, also, yeah. I, mean, because so, I do, I do a, a, a reasonable amount of solo diving these days. All my dry suits are, um, are front entry. And also because on, on, when you're doing working dives, like on, when you're filming or whatever, you just need to be getting yourself dressed, sort yourself out. You don't to be always taking people away from their task, like the cameraman, to zip you up. So all mine are front entry. So I always do a little double check before I. I'll zip up and all that. And then I'll, before I put my set on, be it open circuit or read I'll just glance down to my, my right hip and double check both the zips. Just part of my kind of routine now. What makes so, uh, dry suit do you use? I've got a Fourth Element Argonaut. In oh, fact, right, yeah. I've got, oh, I've got oh, Fourth that. Element Argonauts. Um, It's quite nice, because I, I I do work with Fourth Element. So um, that's why I'm actually, I'm actually to too. Because um, the thing is, I actually, you, I do generally need two dry suits because um, when I'm on a wave on projects, like when we dived the Britannic um, a couple of years ago, you know, that was a big, expensive BBC shoot. And I was out there for 10 days and it's 100, although the water relatively warm, it's still 120 metre die, So you can't be having a dry suit leak. So I was like, said to guys, I need a spare dry suit because if if the zip breaks or seal breaks, I can't be going, right, that's it. Filming's finished for today. While I go and fix this? I need to be just like, OK, take it off, put you and back on and get in the water. Um, you know, it's why Kai spears of just about everything I've even got a spare head from a rebreather because when you're being paid to do a job you, it's not a club dive you've got to be it's like mm. your dry suit's leaking well you either change a dry suit or you jump in your in your wet one but we don't care get on with it um mm. so yeah fulfillment you've given me a second dry suit which is really handy really handy I can do. I can do. one of our friends has
0: done a bit of black water diving have you ever, have you ever tried that
2: yeah, I've done I've done bits of it. I've done some in the UK actually. Um yeah. Well, I mean, you, you could argue that you know a, a lot of UK diving is blackwater diving, but um, yeah, it was. And I've done a bit of kind of I suppose you've blackwater snorkeling as well. Going out in a boat and just dropped off with a, you know, on the surface with snorkels and, and torches and that stuff. And um, didn't see a huge amount. I mean, but there are there are good places to go in the world, and there are not so good places, and I've not done any good places, so uh, I I can't really pass judgment. I'd like I'd like to do. It. I mean because I love night dives, you know, I do, I do like night dives. Um, well, I mean, cave diving is better, night diving, isn't it, all the time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've not done a huge amount of it, to be fair.
0: Okay, cool. So, um, aspirations for the future? I know you've been
2: working on
0: the uh, latest James Bond, As you know, you're helping on that as well, and you've got other sort of projects. Um, where do you sort of see yourself in the sort of
2: next few years, sort of five years, something like that? Well, hopefully... Being able to leave the house. That's the main objective for the short term. Yeah, I mean, this this this. I was initially brought on um, to the the Bond film as as an underwater kind of guy, and 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 but did other things as well. As End up being climbing stuff and, and military stuff. But and that was brilliant, absolutely amazing. Uh, and and again, harking back to the thing with the dive team, the 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 reason that Bond was so such a good job to work on for for pretty much the best part of a year was the people actually lovely and I was part of the stunt team the stunt team you know they were all super professional super motivated super talented but also just really really nice people you know it was a pleasure to go to work every single day is uh, there anything particular we've got to look out for in the new Bond film? Um, I can't really say the 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 non-disclosure agreement I had to sign was fairly lengthy and quite technical, and the bond lawyers are better than anything I ever get. So I don't, honest, I don't really know what I can and can't say. So I just had to default to say nothing. There's there's some underwater stuff, obviously. Yeah, there's also there's some amazing car and bike stuff. There's, a, there's an amazing bike stunt. I think that's actually been out of the trailer, so I can say that's been that's been in the pod domain. Um, and then yeah, I'm hoping to do more stunt work because it was it was just such good fun and, and the team team brought is that you or me? That's me. I'm very much a flint axe kind of guy when it comes to technology. Where was I? Yeah, so hopefully, do more stunt work because um, it, it was just really nice. It was, it was, it was interesting work to do. Um, hopefully, you can do more filmmaking, both documentary stuff and slightly more abstract kind of art stuff. Like we've got this free diving, I've got this free diving idea. It's basically a sort of sci fi fight sequence using free divers in a swimming pool. Um, okay. so i I'd like to try and make that myself a little short film. Um I'm doing some sort of little short documentaries for soon to and fourth element this year, and then the Marine Conservation Society is gonna be involved in that. And that's gonna be all self-shot. So I'm gonna try and shoot the whole film myself, what as you know, and be in it, which but, but do it in such a way that it doesn't look like a selfie. So using drones, using underwater drones, you know, to try and make it look like there's a dive team. Filming me, but actually, there's not, you know, so um, and that'll involve sea kayaks and paddle boards as well, actually, because it's mostly free diving, just from a logistical point of view, it's much easier if you're going to be self filming and trying to make this whole thing myself, but yeah, do it. yeah, and then um, we've got a load of ideas in with various TV channels to do various documentary stuff, um, mostly underwater or with an underwater element, not all of it, there's one or two pictures that aren't well, there's one that hasn't got underwater all I have and I'm doing some work with the UK space community so some of the people from the, the UK space agency um just test piloting some of the, the they're building some prototype equipment both air and underwater and I'm going to give them a half of that do they get, approach you or do you send the feeders out no, no. Well I met I met the the, the the sort of electric jet jet engines that I'd to my legs on beyond bionic for the skydive was was built by this sort of effective rocket scientist. Um and we gone quite well and I was asking about other stuff and, and I pitched some ideas. So I've got some ideas for this sort of kit. could could you build something to do this? And he was like, Yeah, yeah. So um, it's rare that you meet people who are as who are even madder than, than you are, but the UK space agency is just full of these guys who are all like 200 iqs and a massive bag of frogs in the best way like you're like right um i'd like to build a a pair of boots rocket boots that will take me to the moon and they're like okay yeah how do we do that well we'll need we'll need some and start making notes you know it's brilliant it's just they don't i think people who work in the space community don't really have boundaries because if you if you had kind of boundaries to your ambition or your vision you wouldn't work in space so brilliant to work with so there's that I'm gonna try and get in, do more of my own stuff on like YouTube and IGTV. I'm kind of learning about YouTube. I'm, obviously, I'm, I'm about ten years behind the curve. I'm gonna start working on a on a, on a YouTube an existing YouTube channel, uh, but that's not announced yet, so I can't say more because they want to release the information first. What else? I've got a few exhibitions. I've got a few cave diving and, and uh, exhibitions on the go. What else? I don't know. I mean, it depends on how how long we've got, and in five years' time, I don't know. The problem is that you never know. You, you know, it's it's okay to have a sort of five year plan, but it better be very, 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 very flexible because you know, yeah, yeah. I had a four week plan for March, and um, you know that's gone completely. <laughs> so, um, so I think I think planning too far in advance is a waste of time because things just run. Right. And, and even with bond, like you know, in February, the start of February last year. I had no idea what, was. 2019 was Was looking pretty shaky with a number of TV projects, and experts that have been canned last minute by, by f- various financial and political reasons that has been canned. And then luckily, out of the blue, a few things happened. Next thing you know, you're working yeah. in, as part of the stunt team on a James Bond film. I mean, they like, well, that wasn't my yeah. plan for 2019 to be like, so you know what, you never know, You never know. Uh-huh. And things could go really, really busy once things get back to some kind of normality.
0: Things could all of a sudden just get really, really busy.
2: And they will do. I mean, right. Some of the stuff I've got to do is my own project, but some of it I kind of, I've, I've got to do. I'm obliged. I've, it's work that I've already signed up to. So yeah. between whenever we get released, the beginning of November, I've got a lot to pack in. You know, I've got almost like nine months work to fit into however many months we get. It could be as little as two or three months. So yeah. you know, I'm going to be away a lot. But that's fine because I'm at home all the time right now. So it'll be nice to get out and about. Yeah. I'm supposed to be competing as part of team GB at the skydiving world cup this year, uh, in the end of August in Russia. So, but whether that is or not, I don't know. That's
0: brilliant. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for, you know, um, you know, for giving us some time to go through the interview and, and that with you. That's been really good. It's been fascinating hearing about your diving. and.
2: No that... no, not at all. Not at all. it <laughs> nice to talk about diving since we can't actually do any of the real thing at the moment. So, uh, yeah. Okay, cool. No worries. Thank you very much. See you
0: later. Bye. Thank you. you. Bye. Cheers, Andy. Thank you very much. That was really good, really um, informative and really enjoyed having you on the show again. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. What do you think, Gemma?
1: Oh, great. Really inspirational, hearing about your scuba journey. Love the cave diving as well.
0: Um, if you've got any questions for us and for us to ask Andy, because Andy will be back on the next episode, please uh, do write in to us.
1: And you can message us on social media, on our Facebook, Instagram or Twitter account. Um, and the email address is the bigscuba podcast at gmail.com
0: yeah and andy will be back for the next episode as you said and that will be talking about the his dive on the planet It'll be wow. really good that as well
1: that's really good so we we'll look forward to episode eight and we'll be back so yeah. just quick
0: mention for our patron who's listening in as well hi john hello john and uh, we'll be speaking to you all soon
1: okay goodbye
0: bye <laughs>